Welcome to the Growing in Christ podcast, where we are rooted in living water and growing closer to our purpose in Christ. I am your host, Shador Foy. Now let's get growing. I hope that your new year is going so well. We are in the sixth day of our new year, and I am so excited for this year. I've just been going into this year with a lot of expectations and excitement and just wanting to, like I said, with starting this Growing in Christ Tibs and the podcast, I'm just really wanting to seek God this year and seek out the things that he has for me this year. And today we are on chapter six and we're going to start with verse one. So I hope you have your Bibles and paper and pencils or pens or even highlighters to just take and jot down some notes. So verse one says, my son, if you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, verse two, you are snared by the words of your own mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So when it says, my son, if you become surety for your friend, meaning collateral for your friend, in the place of surety. And the, an example for that could be if, let's say that you and your friend went to a party. And then you go back to your friend's house and your friend's mom asks you all, where have you been? And your friend says, well, we just went to the store. And then they tap you and they're like, right? And then you lie for them or you say, yeah, sure, we did. Then you have become in, you have become collateral for your friend. And then uh, verse two, it says, you are snared by the words of your own mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So this kind of means like people, they have, they can have discernment and know when you are lying. But at the same time, it's like you should be, uh, like they say, a man of your word. So when you say something, you should be a just person for them to be able to believe it. And sometimes, you know, they may, your that parent may not trust their child, but if you say something, you know, on behalf of them and you were like, yeah, we just went to the store, then you are taken by your words. So you're held guilty for that as well because they kind of expected more from you than they did their own child and then at verse three it says so do this my son and deliver yourself for you have come into the hand of your friend go and humble yourself and plead with your friend so it's saying to deliver yourself from doing that deliver yourself from always going along with your friend's lies or being collateral for your friend, maybe because you have a better reputation than them or you're more upright than them, you should deliver yourself from that and go and humble yourself before your friend and plead with your friend, you know, don't be rude or anything, but just be nice and just humble yourself and be like, okay, let's more like, be 
the influence on your friend and not the other way around. And then verse 4 says, Give no sleep to your eyes, nor nor slumber to your eyelids. Verse 5, Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. So just truly delivering yourself because that's no good friendship when you are collateral for your friend. You know, that's never going to be a good friendship. And then at verse 6, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. 7, which having no captain, overseer, ruler, verse 8, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. So verses 6 through 8 is talking about not being lazy and to keep from being lazy. And in Proverbs, it tells us to look at the ant because we know that ants are hard workers and they work in colonies and they can carry a whole bunch more than their own body weight, you know, and they're just like I said before, hard workers. And that's what we should be as hard workers. And we shouldn't have an overseer or a ruler or a captain having to tell us what to do every second. Because God is our ruler and God is the overseer over us. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So God, we should have that discernment in that relationship with God for him to order our steps and to know, okay, God's telling me to go left and not do what I want to do and go right. So God should really be the only ruler in our lives. We shouldn't have to have our parents tell us to do certain things. And then in verse nine, it says, how long will you slumber? O sluggard, when will you rise from your sleep? Verse 10, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Verse 11. So shall your poverty come on you like a robber and your need like an armed man. So sluggardness is just not working, being lazy and different things like that. So in 11, when it says poverty come on you and that is the state of being extremely poor that will come on you if you're not a hard worker if you're not working you're not going to make money you're not really going to you know get the things that you need so poverty the spirit of a lack will just come on you and you'll lack in so many ways and even in your mindset And your need like an armed man. So your need will always be constantly on your mind. It could be even a fear like, you know, when you're lazy and you're not doing work, the things that you need are not getting done. And also, if you deal with sluggardness or just being lazy, something that could help is just Doing what you can do. Like, you know, if you may not be at the place where you can do it all, just get up and do what you can do. And you never know because sometimes we got to get that momentum started and start doing what we can do. And then we realize, well, I can do more. Like you may, it may be a problem with cleaning your room and you might be like, okay, 
I'm going to take 30 minutes out of my day to clean my room. And then you end up being like, okay, 30 minutes. I'm doing good. I got a little system going here. I think I'm just going to go ahead and do it longer. And then, you know, a whole hour passed by and your room is clean or even less than that. So just starting that momentum and getting out of that mindset of laziness and starting to do it will help. And also, like I said before, uh, good man's steps are ordered by the Lord. So just ask God, you know, if you're having trouble, just be like, God, okay, I'm lazy, but I know that I can do this. So can you tell me when to do this and what to do and how to do next, you know? And then at verse 12, it says, a worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points his fingers. Verse 14, perversity in his, in his heart, and he devises evil continually. He sows discord. Verse 15 says, therefore his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. So, Verse 13, going back to verse 13, where it says he winks his eyes and he shuffles his feet and he points his fingers. That just seems like a person that is always trying to do evil, you know, always trying to accuse other people, always trying to be sluggard and not being helpful, always trying to plot somebody's downfall you know and then when it says in verse 14 perversity is in his heart he desires evil continually and he sows discord um i ended up looking up what perversity truly means and it says the quality of being contrary to accepted standards or practice and that's a person that no matter what, they're always going to be against what's right. You know, they're always going to be against the accepted standards or practices. Even though they work, those practices work, they're set in stone, they've been there for years and years, they're always going to be against it. Have you had somebody that no matter how much you try and tell them, Something that's even good and that even may sound like in their own favor concerning the law or concerning commandments or God's word even or just somebody else's instruction and different things. And they're just against it. Like no matter what you say, no matter if it's something that truly can work in their favor, they're just against it. That is what a perverse person is that is when they have perversity in their heart or they have a perverse mouth they're always going to talk against it and trying to store up I mean stir up you know confusion and then um going back to verse 15 where it says therefore his calamity shall come suddenly suddenly he shall be broken without remedy because those things when you are the type of person that likes to stir up confusion, God is a God of vengeance. You know, vengeance is his and he will repay. 
So at some point, vengeance shall fall on them. At some point, they're going to fall in the grave that they dug for someone else. So we have to remember that and not always try and plot their demise. You know, we shouldn't fall into that same wickedness of always trying to prove them wrong or always trying to be against them, but just knowing that vengeance is God and we don't have to move a finger for God to execute his judgment. And then on verse 16, it says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, Seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, verse 18, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, verse 19, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. So we have to be careful as Christians to not do these things, to not have a proud look and always being egotistical and always being like, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. And just looking like it and acting like it. It's different between having confidence and being proud. Um, we have to be careful of having a lying tongue and not having lies found in our mouth, you know, not gossiping about people or talking about people or lying to others because a liar will not tarry in God's eyesight. So we have to make sure that we're not being, we're not saying lies and being deceitful. And then hands that shed innocent blood. And I like to think about things deeper and when I read hands that shed innocent blood, I don't only think of people that physically murder people or kill people, but I also think about when you just talk about people for no reason, when you just talk bad about people for no reason, people that did you no harm, people that aren't even studying you, you know, people that aren't looking at you, that shouldn't threaten you. And you just talk about them. That is you shedding innocent blood. That's you talking against them and talking against their destiny and against their future. And you really harming them. And that's you not necessarily shedding their blood in the physical sense. But that is you doing it in the spiritual sense, in the mental sense, in the emotional sense, you know, and we should not do that. As Christians, we should want to build people up. Jesus came to give us life so that we may have it more abundantly. And we shouldn't try and kill others with our mouths for there is life and death in the tongue. So we have to make sure that we're not only not shedding innocent blood with our hands, but also with our tongues as well. And then... Verse 18, a heart that devises wicked plans. So we have to always keep our heart in check. Make sure that our heart is pure and that we're all that we're not always trying to think about ways to make somebody fall or make somebody stumble. Just having somebody's destruction 
on your mind all the time. And then feet that are swift in running to evil. So you shouldn't always be on the bandwagon to do something that's evil. You shouldn't always run towards it. You know, you shouldn't always be like, yeah, let's let's talk against this person or let's go here, let's steal this person's stuff, or let's talk bad about this person. You shouldn't always be swift and quick and running to evil. Now, we will face temptation, and sometimes we will get startled by the temptation, or we may, you know, kind of uh, stumble and, you know, be pondering in our mind, well, which way should I go? But it's a difference between that and just being like, yep, somebody, a friend asks you, oh, do you want to go steal this? Yes. Or a friend asks you, do you want to go to this party? Yes. You know, you shouldn't always be so quick to run to evil. And then verse 19 says, a false witness who speaks lies. So spreading rumors or saying things about people. And don't don't even allow like Solomon has been saying for the last few chapters, don't even walk in the paths of wickedness. So don't allow people to try and confuse you, even with rumors and different things. If you hear a rumor at your school or even in your family or amongst your friend group or wherever it may be, don't just jump on the bandwagon and spread it, you know, because then you are held accountable for that, too. And you are being a false witness who speaks lies. If you don't know the whole situation, if you don't know the truth to the situation, just be like, I don't know anything about that. I was listening to a pastor preach one time from YouTube. And when somebody comes to you and they say, what do you think about this, this, and this? The best way to answer that is to say, I don't. You know, just to say, I don't think about this. Or when they say, what do you think about such and such? You just say, you don't. And that can be complete honesty because they they may not be on your mind 24-7. And then um, the last one says, and one who sows discord among brethren. So you should not try and stir up confusion among your friends. A person that likes to stir up confusion and drama is just not of God. Clearly, it says here that these are the things that the Lord hates. They are abomination to God. It, you should not want to stir up confusion within your friend group. And you, if you're the type of person that likes confusion and that likes drama, well, I recommend that you pray and seek God on that because that's not something that God wants you to do, even if you lend your ear to it. Maybe you don't participate participate in it but you love listening to your friends talk about the gossip or the drama that's going on and you love the tea you know you love getting the tea and different things you have to ask God to deliver you from that because you know that that's something that not only is not of God but it's something that God hates and it is abomination to him and then verse 20 says, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Verse 21, bind them continually upon your heart. 
tie them around your neck. Verse 22, when you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. So I like the last part of verse 22 when it says, and when you awake, they will speak with you. And what I kind of grasped from that was that when you wake up, wisdom will be there to greet you, you know, instruction will be there to greet you. So you'll wake up already knowing how to start your day, already knowing what to do, already knowing what path to take, how to walk, you know, you won't have to wake up and think, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like there are some people who wake up and they just get so frustrated and angry and they wake up angry and they wake up upset or depressed and they're just like, I don't know what I'm going to do today. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do that. They wake up worrying, but this verse says, and when you awake, they will speak with you. So instruction will instantly tell you what to do. And all you have to do is follow the instruction. You know, wisdom will instantly tell you how to start your day and how to start your day off right. And you will just have to follow that versus just waking up, just not knowing and just being totally angry and upset because there are people who wake up that way and then verse 23 says for the commandment is a lamp and the law is light reproofs of instruction are the way of life verse 24 to keep you from the evil woman from the flattering tongue of a seductress verse 25 do not lust after her beauty in your heart excuse me nor let her allure you with her eyes Verse 26, for by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. So as we read in Proverbs, when we hear about the immoral woman, we hear about her always just preying upon his life. And why I believe that Solomon keeps emphasizing this and saying this is because your life goes to destruction when you commit that sin of being with an immoral woman or an immoral man because they mean you no good you know they don't truly love you they don't truly desire you they may not even like you they may not even truly delight in you but it's just the wickedness in them that they want to gravitate to you and they want to destroy you it's just their wickedness and they may flirt with you and they may try and seduce you and be all close and buddy buddy with you but it's really just the wickedness in them gravitating to you to take you down to destruction and even if you're an upright person there are some people and immoral people that gravitate to the upright people because they want to take them down and they want to destroy them. And you may not even intimidate them. It is just the fact that you being upright, for we don't battle with flesh and blood, but we battle with principalities. And the demons that 
recognize God. They may not know God, but them opening themselves up to wickedness and wicked demons, the demons recognize God and they recognize the God in you. And they're not going to like that. They're not going to be pleased with that. So if they can try and seduce you and flatter you and take you down, that is what they will do. So you have to make sure that you stay away from the immoral woman or the immoral man because all they want to do is prey upon your precious life. They want to keep you from entering your destiny. They want you to keep you from getting closer to God. Any relationship that we have with anybody, it should all always be in a relationship of them trying to push you to the next level, whether that be in God, in your grades, in your life, they should always want to push you to being prosperous and vice versa. You should always want to see them grow. That is why I started growing in Christ too and versus just letting this be my own personal walk, but doing this with other teenagers and other youth because this helps us to push each other to grow and to really care about each other and show each other this is how the body of Christ is supposed to be. I'm supposed to care about you. In the New Testament, Paul and Peter, they wrote letters to the churches, always checking up on them, always saying, hey, you're doing great. You are prospering. Just know Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ sees your works, you know, just pushing them to their destiny and encouraging them. That is what the body of Christ is supposed to be about. So I want you all to take that information and just make sure the relationships in your life that you're always checking. And sometimes you could be the immoral woman or you could be the immoral man. Maybe you're flirtatious. Maybe you're always trying to flatter and seduce. And you might want to change that about your life and be like, okay, God, this is something that I need to get together because I need to help others and build others up and not tear them down or not trying to take them down with me. And then on verse 27, it says, can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Verse 28, can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Verse 29, so is he who goes into his neighbor's wife, whoever touches her shall not be innocent. So when I read verse 27 through 29, And like he said at the end, whoever touches her shall not be innocent. When he's giving those case scenarios with can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Meaning, can you be with an immoral woman and still be righteous and upright? Can you you justify sleeping with somebody else's wife? or with somebody else's girlfriend or boyfriend or husband, there is no way to justify that, you know? You can't say that, you know, uh, can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? You can't say, oh, I can walk on hot coals, but I'm not burnt. You know, I can go through the fire and not smell like smoke. 
that's impossible in this sense. You know, you cannot go through this fire and come out not smelling like smoke. You cannot sleep with somebody else's wife or somebody else's husband and still be upright and righteous and just because that's not justified. You know, that's not righteous. And verse 30 says, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy to satisfy himself when he is starving. Verse 31, yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Verse 32, whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Verse 33, wounds and dishonor he will get and his reproach will not be wiped away. So in in this verse, reproach means disapproval. So the disapproval of the people will not be wiped away. And then when it says, when it started off by saying, people do not despise a, de- a thief, sorry, if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving, yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. That is for somebody who may steal an item, like stealing somebody, a neighbor's crops or stealing a neighbor's food or different things like that. But is different when you steal somebody else's husband or somebody else's wife that lasts forever I can you can give me back some bread that you stole you know and even in today's time you can give me back the headphones that you stole or the pencil that you stole you can give me back sevenfold pencils you know but a wife or a husband you only have one wife you only have one husband a man that finds a wife findeth a good thing. You only have one of those. There's nothing that they can give you back for that. You know, that is the love of, that should be the love of your life. That should be your best friend. And when you vow to be with them, that is a covenant that you make between them and between God. And that's that's it. That's the only wife that you have. That's the only husband that you have. And it's no, you can't take that away, you know. You can't take, and you can't take what they that person did away when somebody commits adultery. You can't just take that away. That's not something that you can just forget about, you know. It happened. And there's a certain thing called soul ties as well when you commit that act with anybody when you commit fornication or adultery or even when you are with your spouse during marriage there is a certain thing called soul ties and now you have this other person's spirit on you and it's like a man a husband and a wife are supposed to be evenly yoked they are supposed to be one but If one feels as though they can detach and separate and be with another, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So that is just a horrible thing to do to another person's household 
to come in and try to break up their household, to break up a happy home. And even, you know, some people say, you know, if somebody's willing to commit adultery, then it must not be that happy. Even if that be true, you are it's still not your job to tempt other people. Satan is an oppressor. Satan is a tempter. He comes like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is always trying to tempt us, always trying to push our buttons. So we as Christians want to be like God. You know, we want to be like our father. We want to be like our big brother, Jesus Christ. We don't want to be like Satan and always try and tempt people. Even though they're on the edge, every man has weaknesses. We all have sins that trip us up. We all have things that we're attached to that we may need to let go of. We all struggle with something. And that doesn't give people the right to be like, well, if you're struggling, then you might as well do it. No, you should have those type of people around you that say, if you're struggling, struggling, let's pray about it. You know, let's let me keep up with you. Let me text you oftenly and text you and be like, hey, I found a scripture about this. Or do you want to go to church with me or Bible study? Or let's get your mind off of it because an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Just truly helping you and building those relationships where they try and push you up and try and encourage you and try to get you to see the bigger picture and not just the bigger picture, but the greater picture. And then on verse 34, it says, for jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. Verse 35, he will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give many gifts. So like I was saying before, there's nothing that you can return for taking somebody's spouse or husband or wife. You know, there's nothing that you can return for doing that. And though people say, yeah, you can move on and different things like that. But certain things, when some things happen, things can never be like they were before. Things can never be the same and it's not necessarily due to people holding a grudge and not truly forgiving or nothing like that but things change you know when that happens when anything when certain things happen your relationship is shifted because of it your relationship is changed because of it like I was saying about the soul ties sometimes people get soul ties and that attitude, their whole attitude changes, their whole disposition changes, and they could come out like a totally different person. And that's something that you have to work through. And in some relationships, that could take years to work through that and not just due to unforgiveness or to people not trying to move past it. But it is something that really shooken the relationship and really changed the relationship. And the husband, the for jealousy is a husband's fury. 
Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. So that husband is going to be jealous. Like he's going to be furious and jealous. So not only when you commit adultery, does that affect the person that you're committing that act with, but it also affects their spouse, you know, and then sometimes for women, the same thing goes for us is jealousy. And now there's trust issues in the relationship, or now there's jealousy or even a feeling of low self-esteem or just self-doubt and different things. So that's a lot of different things battling that relationship Due to that one act, there are so many things now that are open to coming against that relationship. And I know that we're teens, and I know that we're youth, so we're not yet married, you know, we're not yet with our spouses yet. But this is things to think of even when, you know, even though we're not married, there's still fornication. And we got to make sure that we're keeping our bodies pure for our spouses, Because that can really break our relationships with new people and just making sure that we stay to ourselves and staying pure before the Lord and staying in that place to where we're ready for when our spouse comes and just making sure that we're dealing with this stuff now. Like I said the last time when we were going through Proverbs and Solomon was telling his children, Hear me now. God wants us to know these things now. So when, so that's not even an issue for us. Or when the problem comes, we know how to handle it. You know, it won't be a struggle for us or it won't be a battle for us. It will be easy for us to not walk in the way of the wicked. It will be easy for us to point out the immoral woman or the immoral man. It. That's what... Growing in Christ is also about just be allowing it us to learn the word and for us to have that ease in applying the word and being able to apply the word, not only in our youth, not only as being teens, but even for future things, because we should parents should want each youth to break a generational curse. So for us. We may break generational curses that our parents may have. And we may be like, oh, I know how to deal with this. I know how to deal with that. There may be some mistakes that our parents may have made. But through us growing in Christ and getting deeper in the word, we're like, I'm not going to make those same mistakes. Or I'm going to be able to take better precautions and not trying to be better than our parents or greater than our parents and trying to be exalted above them, but just understanding I can do better and not to gloat about it or be egotistical about it, but just knowing I can have a brighter future. I can have a better destiny. The growing does not stop here. You can find the Growing in Christ blog on our website that can be found in our bio. Not only does the Growing in Christ website house our blog, it also shows you where you can find us on our social media. 
Always remember Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. For through this verse, we know that if we keep on trusting in God, simultaneously, we'll keep on growing in God.